Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo, how's everybody doing this morning? This transition's slightly more awkward than it was originally going to be. Uh, um, thank you, uh, elders. Thank you, church. It's, uh, <clears throat> I want to be clear, it's pastoring this church um, is nothing but an honor and a privilege for my wife and I. Um, we, we absolutely love this house. We love you all most of the time. No, we love you all. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's a privilege. It's an honor. We, we absolutely love pastoring. Um, we're, we're being obedient to our elders, uh, like you should be too, and, and we're taking this time off. But I, I want to be super clear about something. Like We're not leaving because we're burnt out, and we think we're about to quit, and we just can't handle it anymore. Um, if that were the case, I'd just pick the few of you I don't like and have a meeting with you, and then we'd just deal with that. Um, that's a joke. Laugh. It's, it's nicer if you laugh. Um, <laughs> if you don't laugh, I'm just mean. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's it. We, we are, we are going to take advantage of this and, and, and try to, to, to take some time. But I uh, just want to be clear. We're, we're, not, we're not burnt out. We're not going anywhere. Um, I've already ordered my tombstone, and it says Pastor of Sozo. So I got, I got no other plans. So um, uh, I'm not using it for another 100 years, but I just ordered it because prices are going up. Um, <laughs> oh... Economy jokes. All right, uh, Friday, want to just make sure, I know it was in the v- video, but I just want to personally uh, invite you come on to, to, to come and gather together with us on Good Friday. Um, how, many, how many, I need an amen from some Christians, Good Friday is better than Black Friday. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I don't, I think personally kind of wonder sometimes if, I should change the names, but um, God died on Good Friday. It seems, you know, interesting until, come on, you recognize what he accomplished. And that's really what we're going to be doing this, this year. Um, we're just going to be taking some time to, to uh, recognize and reflect on all that Christ has accomplished for us. How many of us want to, want to admit that, that Jesus did a whole lot in redemption? That, that it's, it's, it's not as simple as just a, a one, one layer thing. We're, we're going to kind of peel back some layers. And as we do, we're going to take some time to respond like we've learned how to respond, right? We're going we're gonna to contemplate. We're going to celebrate. We're going to commune one with another. And we're going to believe that God's going to expand our understanding of all he has done in this, uh, in this, this, this Easter season. Amen? So be a part of that. And then, again, D- Doug touched on it. These, these little goofy things, um, they might not seem like much because they really aren't much. But um, there are people, and I'm not going to embarrass them by asking them to identify themselves, but, but there are people who are, are a part of this church. There are people who have come to faith. There are people who, who presently exist in an abiding relationship with the Lord because one of you handed them one of these cards and invited them to church. How crazy is that? That's kind of ridiculous. So, so we give you a six-pack because we just want to offend religious people, and also... Because there's, there's six days, come on, starting tomorrow before Easter, right? So, so we, we want to we give you one per day. So the, the challenge I always throw out is invite one person every day. Whether that's you're going out to eat, and, and I do have one instruction for you. If you're, if you're going out to eat after church, which you should, because that's what Christians do on Sundays, um, 
go out to eat, and if you're gonna leave this for your waitress, which is a good one, right? You just get today out of the way. Just go out to lunch afterwards, invite somebody, go out to lunch, and, 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 and leave one of these for your waitress, as long as you leave a very generous tip. <laughs> this, listen, this is not your tip. It's an eternal tip. No, this is not, this is not a tip. Now, if you're, gonna leave, if you're not going to leave a tip or you're going to leave a small tip, go ahead and leave a touch card for the Mormon church. Um, I just had to get one out of the way up front and we can move on now. Um, Jehovah Witnesses, whatever you want. Uh, pick, your, pick your cult, whatever. Uh, no, so, so leave a generous tip. Come on, leave these. Uh, here's another one. I remember what, one year we had somebody, I, I thought this was awesome. Um, they, they went to their neighbors. It was, it, this doesn't really work this, this year, but it was, it was snow. It was colder on Easter one year, and, and, and a family went around, and they, they shoveled the driveway of their neighbors, and then they left them one of the, the, the invite cards. Find a way, come on, to, to get out of our comfort zones, get out of our bubbles, and let's hand these out, and let's see, let's see people come and hear the gospel. Because how many of y'all know, how many of y'all know, they're going to hear the gospel if they show up here on Sunday, amen? I mean, that's true any Sunday, but also of Easter. So let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, we got a lot to cover this morning uh, in our series through John. We're in John 15. We've been making our way through this. Uh, thank you all for letting me take a week last week. Um, and, uh, and just kind of uh, back off a little bit and make sure we're all together. I'm encouraged. I think we are. Um, I think we're, we're walking together in this. Um, it's, 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 it's just kind of one of those things I, I needed to do last week. I remember learning, maybe you've heard this too, if you've gone through leadership training stuff, um, you, you'll hear the, the, the little slogan that, you know, if, if you think you're leading somebody, if you think you're a leader, turn around. If nobody's following you, you're just on a walk. Right? I needed to make sure I wasn't just on a walk. I was loving it. I was enjoying the hike. But like my, my wife has this complaint. I have to walk behind my wife when we hike because she says, if not, I just like lose her because I just have legs that are twice as long as her because of the male patriarchy. And um, my male privilege lets me just walk like way faster than her. And she's like, I can't. I thought it's just she didn't like the back of my head. But it turns out, no, it's I walk too fast. Right? I wanted to make sure I wasn't going too fast and we weren't getting lost in the midst of all this. And I'm, I'm, I'm greatly encouraged that we're together. We seem like we're, we're together and, uh, and, and, and we're going to continue to move move into this. So if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 15. No surprise there. If I'm your pastor, your Bible just probably falls open to John 15 at this point. Um, it's probably bookmarked in your app or whatever you use, or I don't know how technology works. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. How many of you love your Bibles? How many of you love your Bibles? Come on, because it shows you Jesus. Come on, we're learning, right? We love our Bibles, not because we love our Bibles. I mean, some of us do because we're nerds, right? Can I, any other Bible nerds in the room? Yeah, like we just collect Bibles, boxes of Bibles. But we love the Bible because through it, we, we can, we, it points us, it shows us, it reveals Jesus to us, and so we can go to him, and in him we can find eternal life. Amen? John, John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus speaking here says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear, how much? More fruit. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, who's the branch? Normally, you would have been right, because normally in church, you say Jesus and you win. But this time, I tricked you. You're the branch. He's the what? Vine, right? So, so <laughs> gotcha. Abide in me and I in you as the branch, which is you, can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the 
branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We're going to read verse 9 again because we need to hear it. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Come on, can we thank God for his word together this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. God, we praise and exalt you because you have given us your word. God, thank you that your word is not you, and you, 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 you it's, you're not some sort of split personality, but God, we thank you that you've given us your word so that we can see you, so that we can find you, so that we're not left to our own deception nor to our own devices in finding you. But we can, we can, we can rest assured that we have heard you because your voice is crystal clear in your word. So come Holy Spirit and bring out the whisper in the word. Let us hear the whisper of God in the midst of his word that we might hear, that we might receive, that we might be transformed in, in the very fiber of ourselves. Like we learned last week, Lord, push it past the 5% and into that 95%. Push it past just our, our, our mental processes and get it deep down into our souls. That it so thoroughly transforms the way we perceive and the way we process, that it actually transforms the way we live. God, let the truth of who you are and the truth of who you say we are change the way we live our lives. Let us be doers of your word, active participants in your purpose in the earth, in your purpose in our lives. God, today I ask that your word would break down every argument that we try to prop up against it that in our arrogance, in our pride, in our foolishness, as we push back against the goodness of your word, God, I pray that it would win today in hearts. Win battles today in the hearts of your people. Lord, we, we belong to you. We pray that you take the territory that is yours in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead and greet somebody around you real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Good to be in the house today. Good to be here. Um, I was, I was uh, informed 
regarding Easter, I forgot to mention this up front. Uh, I, was, I was informed. You can get here with your kids. So we, we do have bunnies and I believe lambs, and there's a, there's a rumor there may be a llama. Um, it's a rumor. Don't, don't, just, you know, who knows? You'll have to show up to find out. Um, so, so come and, and, uh, and be there. I was, I was informed you can get here as early as 8.30 to be able to do that. We want to be able to get you have, let you have pictures with your kids with bunnies um, and, and, and lambs and, and all kinds of funness. So, so it's going to be a good week to be in the house. Amen? Um, if you're taking notes, hope you are. Let's talk this morning under the title, uh, Liberty in the Trinity. Liberty in the Trinity. Um, we, we, we've talked about the Trinity before. We are a Trinitarian church. If you have confusion about the Trinity, you're on the right track. If you think you know everything there is to know about the Trinity, there's a, there's a word for that. You're a heretic. Um, uh, the, the, the Trinity is, is a word that we use to describe God. We'll unpack it here in a minute, but, but understand that the Trinity is the very essence of the theology of who God is. And so we're, we're going to dive into this, and I want to talk to us about the reality that, that the liberty that we've been talking about for, for several, I think, months now, I don't know, I'm lost in time. So for a while, the liberty we've been discussing is really, is really rooted and really, really, really finds its, its culmination, really finds both its genesis and its, 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 its fulfillment in the revelation that we are called to know this liberty in the midst of the Trinity. And so uh, let, let, me, let me try to summarize uh, where we've been. Uh, this is the way I've tried to summarize John 15, 1 through uh, 11. Uh, simply put, you're a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit. And this is the portion of the service that I pause and I stop and I remind you that, that Jesus here is speaking exclusively to believers. Every other conversation we see Jesus have in the, in the Gospel of John, there's sort of a mix of people with him. But we know for a fact that even Judas, who, who yes, was a disciple, but, but we, we talked about Judas, right? He's even gone. And he's left now. The only people we know are there are the 11 disciples and so Jesus is speaking this. So, so now as somebody who's, whose job it is to be tied to the text, amen? That's, that's the job of a preacher, in case you didn't know. I know that a lot of us don't do that anymore, but that's okay. They're just wrong. Um, we're, we're tied to the text, amen? We're, we're, we're tied to this. So, so here, here's, the, here's why I have to bring this up. If the text is speaking to believers, and I'm trying to teach you the text, who am I supposed to be speaking to today? Believers. Christians. So this statement that you are a branch abiding the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit, applies exclusively to those who, who, or let me say it this way, I can only say that this text applies to those who have repented and believed the gospel. If, you, if you've not done, if you're just here and you're sort of checking out the church thing, if you're just here and just kind of figuring out who Jesus is, or maybe because you saw that we, our sign got vandalized and you went, well, they must be causing trouble. Let's go see what that's about. Um, no, we're not causing trouble. We're, we're, there's just a plethora of less than intelligent people in Spokane. Um, and so they like, to, they like to spread the arts to every neighborhood. That's, I'm trying to think positively about this, right? Silver lining and all. Um, and so, so, so you, you might be here and you might be just kind of exploring all this stuff. Welcome, 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 right church? Welcome. We love that you're here. We love that you're here, but, but you got to understand that, that our family is, is an amazing family because even though our family uh, sometimes has exclusive conversations, 
Those exclusive conversations are actually inclusive conversations because you can be a part of the family. Anybody can be a part of this family. Two people in the room believe that, but it, the Bible teaches it, so don't pay attention to them if you're here. Like, anybody can be a part of the family. Like, you don't know the testimonies of the people that you're sitting around right now. Right? Anybody doesn't, your past doesn't matter because your past does not dictate your future. Amen? So, so anybody can be a part of the family. So, so if you're here and you're listening in, I just want to be clear with you. What I'm teaching, how I'm, how I'm trying to unpack this for you, it, it doesn't apply to you unless you've repented and believed. I can't tell you it applies to you, but today is your day. Amen? Repent and believe the gospel. And then everything that we're talking about today gets to be yours because it's a free gift offered to you, not based upon your worth, your merit, or your achievement, but based upon his worth, based upon his merit, based upon what he has achieved, what he has accomplished on your behalf. Amen? So you are a branch, Christian, believer. You are a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit. Up until now, we've spent most of our time on these two, right? Our, 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 our branchness, and his vineness, right? We, we've talked about the fact that we're branches, we're dependent. We talked about the fact that he's the true vine. He's the only source to give us all that we need and how as he does that, it, it utterly transforms everything about us. This morning, I wanna kind of expand and kind of grab a hold of this idea of being cared for by the vine dresser. Really, I wanna live in, it, we, we can never forget, right? The picture, like can we all re realize this for a second? It's a picture, it's a, it's a, it's a word picture. You're not actually a branch, right? Like, like you're not actually, no, Jesus is trying to say that we, we are called to live like a branch. Uh, we as, a, as his disciples, as his followers, are to relate to him the same way a branch relates to a vine, right? That's, that's what's going on here. So, so we can never forget that, but, but I want to kind of live a little bit more this morning in the abiding in the true vine and cared for by the vine dresser part. So, so let's remember what abide means. To abide is to rest and remain in the life-giving union and mutual in, uh, sorry, the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. Let's try that again and see if I can talk. To abide is to rest and remain in the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. Now, that mutual indwelling, if, you, if you've been with us for a while and you can go into your way, way back machine and remember that that kind of is language that we picked up when we talked about the Trinity. What I want us to see is this text and the call to abide is, is, really, is really littered with, with Trinitarian undertones. And, and so the Trinity, again, just, just, just the Trinity is, is the name that, that theologians have come up with to describe the triune nature of our God. How many gods do Christians worship? One God. Here is the Lord your God. The Lord is one God. We worship one God in three persons. Those three persons are the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, or, or what the Scripture reveals to us is, as Abba, right, as Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and theologians have tried to help us understand this, this one, per, one, one God, three persons with, with what I want to say is less than helpful imagery, right? This is a logical layout of the Trinity. So, so God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Spirit, Amen. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. Right? So that this is a, this is a, I need to be clear with you. This is a central doctrine of the church. What we mean by that is we disassociate fellowship with churches that deny this doctrine. 
So you, you may have come to us, and we love you, you may have come to us with, with a Pentecostal background that might be what's sometimes called a oneness doctrine that says, no, there's just one God, and he manifests himself in different, in different ways, but it's just one God. We, we would say, no, there is one God, amen, three persons. Now, I, I've, I've made it clear that I, I personally find this less than helpful because there's still, there's, listen, there's still mystery even in this, Amen. Right? Like this, this doesn't just make magically make everything perfectly clear. There's still mystery. I prefer to, to push into that mystery a little bit more. So, so I, I want to I remind us of another word, uh, a more ancient word. I'm going to use this, uh, a more orthodox word, a more original word used for the Trinity when trying to describe the, the relational uh, reality of the triune God, the patristic fathers, the early church fathers used the term perichoresis. Everybody say perichoresis. And I find this, this understanding more helpful and this image uh, more, more meaningful. So, so this is the image that the early church used when trying to describe the Trinity. And, and what they were trying to get at was this idea that there are three gods that mutually indwell one another and yet do not diminish the individualness of the other. So why I like this is there's a sense, right? It's a, it's a stable image, but there's a sense that you can feel in the, in the artistic expression of a movement here as they swirl. Perichoresis, literally, Greek word literally, uh, peri meaning circle or, or circumference or, or outside. It's where we get the word periscope. And then choresis is the, word, the Greek word where we, the, that finds the root for, for choreography. So literally, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the spinning of God. It's the, it's the stirring, the swirling. The internal self is circling inside God. And now, listen, if you're here and you're, I, I had some emails about this when, when we taught on it, and that's cool. Um, you, you're worried, you're, well, that, that, I don't, you know, somebody emailed me, like, show me the word um, uh, perichoresis in the Bible. And I said, show me the word Trinity in the Bible. These are, listen, how many of you, I need, I need a response here. How many of you want to rejoice with me that we serve and worship a God beyond our understanding? Like how many people like me find, find solace and hope in that? Amen. Like, like I'm, I'm glad that God's bigger than me. Right? I spent years of my life, decades of my life, worshiping God smaller than me and they didn't do me any good. Right? I'm glad we worship a God bigger than us. So all of this is us wrestling with language, trying to find ways to communicate. So, so I, I like to just put them both back up. Either one that you find helpful is cool. Both of them are orthodox is what I'm trying to show you. Right? What I want us to see today is, and the reason why I think the one on the right, the, the perichoresis imagery, is more helpful for our discussion today, why I bring it back up, is because we need to understand that in the call that Jesus gives us to abide is a call for us to be in the very heart of the perichoresis Trinitarian union of God. We are called to exist in that. So let me give us the whole message and then we'll unpack it. Jesus calls us to rest in the atmosphere of the Trinity where we receive the affection of the Trinity, enabling us to release the authority of the Trinity. Again, I'm trying to summarize the text, John 15, 1 through 11. Jesus calls us to rest in the atmosphere of the Trinity, 
where we receive the affection of the Trinity, enabling us to release the authority of the Trinity. So let's unpack these one at a time. Jesus calls us to rest in the atmosphere of the Trinity. Where where do I get this in the text? Jesus says, I'm the vine, right? Jesus, Jesus calls himself the vine and calls his father the vine dresser and then speaks of the way the vine and the vine dresser interact one with another. I call that an atmosphere. They're, they're, they're engaging one another. They're, 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 they're together with one another, which means that as a branch, we live at the apex of the Trinitary, Trinity's internal intimacy. Like the, the relationship that, again, again, we talk about this, again, it's a, it's a picture, it's a, it's a symbol, it's, a, it's an analogy, what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to show us, and I, I've tried to unpack this, I've tried to make sure we understand it, that who do we claim grows good fruit? The vine or the vine dresser? Yes. Like they both do it together. It's a joint effort. It's a, it's a, it's a trinity. It's a united front. It's a together they grow this. And so, so as the branch, we're sort of, as we, as we see this, this picture, I hope you can see in your mind, uh, of this, this vine growing, this vine branching out, this vine going, spreading out, and these branches popping up, and those become the very, they get caught up in this exchange of father and son, of vine dresser and vine. We're called to live at the apex, at the, at the intersection, at the point at which the Father, the Son, and I would, I, would, I would imply here the Spirit are all together united in this. See, what, we, what we've got to understand is that, that the presence of God is not as whimsical as we want to make it. It's, it's mystical, but it's not whimsical. There's what I mean. There's some stability. There's some, there's some solidness. There's some, there's some substance, some stir. The presence of God is, is sturdy. What, what, what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not meant to come and go whimsically. Can I say this? Just you are called to live in the ever-present awareness of God's abiding presence with you. Okay, I got amens on that, so now let's push it further. The Christian life is fundamentally impossible apart from an abiding awareness of the presence of God. You, You cannot do what God has called you to do. We're going to see this in a minute. You can't do what God's called you to do apart from his presence, because you can't be who you are apart from his presence. The warning in the, in the text is not bear fruit or get chopped off. I'm not going back to this. We've touched on this. The, 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 the takeaway is more appropriately translated propped up. But the warning is if you disconnect, if you remove yourself from that, you will wither. You will not have the necessary substance that you need for your sustenance. Trying to do the the, the life of the... I mean, okay. Peel it all back. Go back to the beginning in John. 
Jesus calls disciples. We learn this. Jesus is a rabbi culturally here. Jesus is a rabbi. He has disciples. The job of the disciple was to be with his rabbi so he could be like his rabbi. Okay, so you can't be a disciple if you're not with the rabbi. I know it's like a fancy branches and like it's as simple as that. You cannot follow Jesus without following Jesus. We, we have to get to this place where we, where we, where we finally settle that, that he is the only place, that, that in his presence, in, in awareness of his presence, because he promised, listen, what I'm trying to get you to understand is this, he promised he would never leave you or forsake you. So the, the, the problem is not on his end. I got only nice emails last week, so let me see if I can change that this week. Let's see if I can let's see if I can confront some stuff. Okay, Lord. We're going to talk about this on Friday. How many of you have been taught if you've been raised you don't have to raise your hand but but give me a little or something. How many how many of you taught been hanging around the church for a while that Jesus paid for your sins? How many of you want to 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 connect with me here on this that the first place our thinking goes in Western American Christianity is he paid for all of my moral failings, all the mistakes that I made. The problem is that, that, that while the word sin does mean missing the mark and that can encompass the idea of moral failing, we talked about this last week, that's a fruit, not a root. Sin, if you want to actually break down the 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 the, the Parts of the word sin, it literally means to be without your original designed form or to be ignorant of who you are. So us being, when we say in the scriptures that we're born into sin, a better understanding of that is to understand that we are born ignorant of who God calls us. All we can do is be educated by the people around us in our own experience and our own internal clock. So we, we together on that? Now let's see this and see as that let's see how that relates to Jesus taking our sin and see if we can't see that in the cross. Jesus looks at his disciples and said, All of y'all are going to abandon me. But my father will never abandon me. And then Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you? forsaken me. Two things I want you to see in that. First, it's the only, fact check me on this, it's the only time in all of the, of the, of the Gospels that Jesus refers to God as God and not as Father. So, did the Father abandon the Son? Or did Jesus take so fully upon himself my sin, my misidentification, that, that in that moment he was for me sin? So he's not speaking as himself, he's speaking as me. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet the scripture, I can prove, Jesus said, my father will never forsake me. So we know it's true. But, but the scriptures also say that God was, the father was in Christ, reconciling the word to himself. How can God abandon him if he's in him? You see, our problem is not that God leaves us and comes back to us. Our problem is we step back into the delusion that Jesus paid for. Jesus paid to free us from the deception of the enemy, which leads to the delusion that we think God has abandoned us. How many of y'all have heard that? the, The problem is religion keeps perpetuating this. Well, when we sinned, we were separated from God because God can't look on sin. Well, if God can't look on sin, sin has more authority than God. And by the way, the verse in the prophet that says God cannot look upon sin, the Hebrew word for look there is look upon. Look means to, to bear, to, to, to perceive with favorable intentions. How many of us want to rejoice that God does not look upon my misidentification with favor? That when I was jacked up and didn't know who he was, certainly didn't know who I was, didn't know how who I am is supposed to relate to who he is, he didn't look at that and go, no, that's good. No, he looks at that's bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes to fix that. This idea that, 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 that our sin chased away God. And yet Genesis chapter 3, we see the, the, the story of the, 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 the corruption of mankind in us. Again, I talked about this last week, right? Believing the lie that God's a no good liar. Right? That he, he lied about what's good. He, he hides good in what he says is bad. That he's, he's done it. He, that, that, that when Eve believes that, when she grabs that fruit and she eats that, when she ingests that thinking and says, wow, God said this was bad, but actually it's good. When she abandoned who she was, the, 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 the serpent says, if you eat this, you'll be like God. I've said this for years. Eve's instantaneous response should have been, well, I'm already like God. Because we're made, come on, in his image. So she's trying to accomplish something that can only be received as a, as a, as a gift from her creator. Well, I want to do it myself. How's that working, cowboy? As she does this, they are, are, she eats it, Adam eats it. I always want to point this out. My wife encourages me to. Eve did not have to go looking for Adam. The text doesn't say Eve ate and then went and found Adam. So she Eve ate it and just gave it to Adam. So Adam, the whole time was just standing there like, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Which is why men still just push the cart in the grocery store and let the wife get the food. Like, we know our part. Um, Okay, so, 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 so in, that, in that moment, we go and run and hide. But what does Abba do? Comes looking for us. He comes looking for us. Well, sin separates me from God. No, 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 no. You separate your, you, 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 it's you attempting to separate yourself and God going like, that's not going to work. And we see a beautiful picture of even redemption even there. In the promise, the prophetic declaration that God would deal with the problem, but also in the fact that, 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 that we tried to sew fig leaves together, which didn't work to cover our bits, so God killed an animal to cover us. Amen? Showing us that it would take a sacrifice. Come on. 
to cover it. So, so, so we've got to get all of this. And so, so Jesus is saying, look, you are called to live in the atmosphere of the Trinity. Here's what I think is weird about charismatic people. Again, I get to live in two worlds, which just you would think means I get to be happy in two worlds, but it just means I'm uncomfortable in two worlds because I'm, I live in, I love to live in the reform world with, with all of my overly thoughtful friends, and I love to live in the charismatic world with all of my overly emotional friends. And, and the problem is I love it, but I also feel uncomfortable and out of place in both. And let me talk to the, the charismatics for a minute. Y'all are all okay with me saying we need to live in the, in, in the presence of God, but the second I put the label on it, you're supposed to live in the Trinity, it's like, well, that's a little far, brother. That's, that's, that's a little, that seems a little, a little too much. Like you want to put a lid on the goodness of God. He invites us to live in the midst of himself. Here's, a, here's another fun one. We were walking down some fun roads this morning. Let's walk down some more. John 1, uh, fact check me on this. I think it's, 20, okay, I have ADHD. I really do. 132 or 23, Jesus is baptized. John the Baptist says that this, he saw the spirit descend like a dove, not a dove, but like a dove, and remain. Is it 31, 32 or 23? I have facts checkers in the front row checking this for me. <laughs> or I'm completely wrong and it's nowhere near there. 32, okay, I was... See, I was right. As long as you get enough guesses, you can always be right. Um, 32. Says, it says that the Spirit descends like a dove and remains. And, and, and John says that it's, that's how he knew. That's how the Father had told him, you'll know the Son because the Spirit will descend upon him and remain. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I just want to point this one. Well, let's go here first. So, and remain. Because... The presence of God, the presence of, of a master, comes and goes upon his servants, but remains upon his sons. See, a servant comes in and out of the presence of his master, right? Like, like you, I know we don't like this verbiage now, but let's use biblical verbiage. You are the servant of the person who pays your paycheck. Like, that's biblical language. When we talk about slaves, servants, that's, that's modernizing. It's your, your employer, right? You're an employee, you, you, you come and go to your job, right? I, I hope. Wives are like, please tell my husband to, to leave the job more, right? Like, like, like you're supposed to go there, work there, come home and be home. But, but you're always, you're always, you're always the son of your father. That doesn't leave. So it, it, it remains. Here's the fun thing. That word remain the spirit descended like a dove and remained is meno, which is the same word that Jesus calls us to do in him. Remain and abide, meno, same Greek word. So there's a connection here as we, this is why I said I'm implying the spirit because I think there's a connection here in all of this. We abide in him as he abides on us. See, the spirit is not meant. If you're, if you're walking, see, if you live your life as a servant of God, his presence will come and go. This is what we see in the Old Testament where they were servants. Presence came, presence left. Presence came, presence left. But, but in the new covenant where we, 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 we are no longer servants, Jesus says, but we are sons, the presence comes and remains and abides. See, what, what I need us to see is we, we've got to get away from this thinking that the presence of God is whimsical is flighty. No, come on, 
Beloved, it's, it's got substance. Amen? It's got some stability. So we need to rethink the atmosphere of heaven, the atmosphere of the Trinity. When, when I say we need to live in the presence of God, some of you are like, so I should just always be in church services. I've said this for years. Some of you all need to come to less church services. We think, well, we need to just live our life like we're always in a prayer meeting. We need to just live our lives like we're always at a worship service. We just need to always have worship music on. Like, all of those things are designed to pique your awareness of his presence so that you can always live in the assurance of his presence. Why we have services the way we do is to try to, to give us once a week to, to check our calibration. See, you, you can either use, use the gathering of the saints as your, as your time to, 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 uh, to step into the presence of God and enjoy it, or the gathering of the saints can be all of us coming together, bringing the presence that already abides and resides on our life and celebrating that together. One is easier and one is more costly. So if it's not a church service, if it's not a prayer meeting, if it's not a worship music, if it's not, if it's not being either, come on, some of you think the presence of God makes you stoic and some of you think the presence of God makes you emotional, whatever it might be. If it's not that, what is it? When I talk about the abiding presence of God, what I mean is that our singular goal, our highest priority and value is his presence and his pleasure. So I don't like, here's the funny thing. I'm going to say something. And if you're looking at me right now, if you're listening to podcasts, like, sorry. And also you're welcome. I don't like the imagery that gets used where we say the Holy Spirit is a dove. Says the guy with seven doves tattooed on his arm to represent the seven spirits of God. hypocrite thy name is me right i mean like <laughs> but i think there's a re I, I think there's a reason why 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 the the gospels use this as the picture of the way the spirit descends upon jesus because if you had a bird on your shoulder and your goal was to not make it move to not make it leave your listen your rhythm of walking your rhythm of life your doing would suddenly be determined by it, not you. But it's, it, it's smaller, right? And yet it, it, it now suddenly takes the priority on the way that you live, on the way that you move. We're called to live, come on, in an awareness that he's there, right? Our highest value is he's here. And so therefore, I'm going to do whatever he wants to do because I don't want to lose this. Now again, it's not whimsical, it's not flighty, it's not like, it's not, it, there, there's some stability here. I don't have to worry. I'm not, I'm not talking about being worried or stressed or, or freaking out or like every time I say a word I shouldn't say, well, every time I say a word that somebody says I shouldn't say, uh, it, it, he's just going to run away. What I'm talking about is simply having an ever-present awareness of his abiding with us until his way controls my way. It's a dangerous place. Come on, it's a dangerous place. 
It's a dangerous and it's an uncomfortable place. But it's a place we need. Okay, so, so we talked about, right, rest, rest in the atmosphere of the Trinity. We, we grasp in that. We get, get a hold of that. Take some time. Study that out more for yourself. I don't have time. I need to get through all of these this morning. The next one is that we are to receive the affection of the Trinity. This, 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 this is something that holds far more mm, value is the only word I can think of, but that's not the right word. Understanding our need to receive the affection of the Trinity is so central to everything that God has called us to do from the person that he's called us to be that I'm going to say again, you cannot fulfill the call of the disciple without knowing that you are, you are, you are the object of God's divine affection. You personally are the object of his divine affection. As a branch, you are the object of divine affection. We, we talk about this in the church and we're okay with it, where we, we tell sinners that you are the object of God's just wrath. And that statement, listen to me, is true. But, but, but listen, Jesus stepped in the way of that. Jesus put himself there so that now those who are in him are not objects of God's just wrath. They are objects of God's just affection. If you are in Christ, it is right, good, and just for God to love you. Religion never taught me that. Religion taught me this. God loves Jesus, but he doesn't love you. But if you hide in Jesus, then maybe some of the love he has for Jesus will like splash on you. Am I the only one? That's what I, that's what I heard. Or, 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 or let me say it another way. God loves you in your perfected state and he tolerates you along the way. Okay, let's, I, I ended with this last time, but let's, let's go here. How many, how many of y'all are going to say you just tolerated your newborn until they became adults and moved out and then they were independent on their own and then you loved them? But isn't that the way we think about God? When we're, when we're needy and dependent and all we do is cry and poop and scream, God just tolerates us. But once we grow up and learn how to do this stuff on our own, then he'll love us. But the problem is we just learned that you can't do it on your own. You can't. So you're always going to be dependent upon him. He loves you as you are, not as you think you ought to be. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Not, not, not the you that you, you filter and edit and project to the world. Not the you on Sunday morning when you had a pretty decent week. He loves broken, busted, screwed up, confused, 
just trying to figure out how to keep moving forward you. He loves you as you are, not as you ought to be. The vine supplies you with the love. Oh, come on. The vine supplies you with this love and the vine dresser demonstrates it by personally caring for you in your time of need. That's the propping up and taking full responsibility for your fruitfulness. I believe this with all I am. You need to hear the private whisper of him telling you personally, privately that he loves you. We, we, we need the private whisper of his affection and we need the public declaration of his affirmation. This is why Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water and the father declares from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Affection and affirmation. Dads, listen up. Affection and affirmation. That's our job. And correction. Affection, affirmation. Here's the weird part about that. I know we talked about this when we preached this text, but Jesus had done nothing spiritual, supernatural, or special yet. He had made furniture. It's a carpenter, which by the way, carpenter's bad translation. It was a, it was a worker of solid substances. He, he probably, if, if anybody's seen pictures of Israel, there ain't a whole lot of forests there. He was most likely, he worked with rocks, which is why when you see him in the Catholic church, he's so buff. He lifted heavy rocks and broke them apart with non-power tools, which I think are just called tools. Um, Jesus has just lived what we would call an ordinary life, right? He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't, he hadn't done, he hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He hadn't even taught anybody. He hadn't, he hadn't any, the only thing we know that he did was freak his parents out by staying in the temple when they left him. That's the only event we know that he did. And Jesus, the father says, this is my beloved son, affection, in whom I am well-pleased, affirmation. We need, we need this. You, you've got to be able to hear this. You need the private whisper of his, of his affection and to hear the public declaration of his affirmation. You are, listen, 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 hear this. And, and again, this is one of those funky things, right? I can only talk to the 5%. I can only talk to the 5% of your conscious mind. I can't get to the 95% of your subconscious mind. But you've got to get this down in the 95% of your subconscious. You've got to get from your head down into your gut. You are the loved of the Father. You are. Here's the good news. There's nothing you can do about it. You're just stuck. That's just, that's just where you are. That's just who you are. That is because that's who he says you are. You are the loved of the Father. So, so we, we need so let's go to receive the affection of the Trinity. So far, we've talked about the Trinity. Listen, loving you. The affection of the Trinity. You're loved by God. But but can we recognize that Jesus actually makes a far more scandalous statement than that? You're like, I'm having trouble believing that part yet. Well, here's more fun. 
as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Which means that not only, sorry podcasters, not only do you know the, the, the love of the Trinity, you know the love of the Trinity. It's swirling around you and you're, you're called to live in the middle of it. You're called to step into this swirl and it's not just an intellectual exercise like, oh, there's the Father and there's the Son, there's the Father and the Son, the Spirit. I, I understand now. As you live there, the reason why it's uncomfortable, the reason why it's dangerous is because that starts to undo all of the mess that's in you. And if you still like your mess, don't try to step into this because it will undo your mess. It will, it will, again, we see the prophet Isaiah get caught up into this. Can, Can I just, I've been beating on the bush, but let's just get there. Perichoresis, swirling nature of God, is by definition what we call heaven. We want to talk about streets of gold, and we sang about it this morning, and that's fine. It's biblical language. It's, it's trying to get us to understand the value and the beauty and the majesty of where, where, where it is. But, but it's, that's a shadow. We've learned about this, right? That's a shadow. The substance is them, is him. So, so, so this is why Jesus can say, that, that eternal life is not dying and going to heaven. Eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. It's, it's, it's being caught up in that swirling circle. As you step into that, what's in that atmosphere, I'm going to say it this way, what makes that atmosphere that atmosphere is love. Because God is what? Love. Well, God's holy. Yeah, yeah. and God's love. Why are you more comfortable with one of those statements than the other when both are in the Bible? I've, I had a conversation with, we got to spend some time with really, one of our lifelong friends in Montana, also pastors, and, 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 and we were discussing some of this. And I said, why is it that we as Christians are more comfortable being told that God's angry at us than God loves us? And I think I've figured part of it out. Because we're angry with us. And so we make God in our image. Uh, I forget which, which theologian said it, but he said that God created man in his image and man returned the favor. Right? Like we, we try to make God in our own. So if I'm angry at me, because come on, let's, I, I mean, I've, I've pastored you through this. I've talked to you about this. Like no, nobody likes this. Nobody has failed you more than you. Let that one sting for just a second because that's just, ow. Like, like you've lied to you more than anybody's lied to you. And I'm not diminishing. Some of you have gone through horrific things. And I'm not diminishing that. I'm just being like, let's be real. You, you, you failed you more than anybody else. That's not denying, diminishing, or dismissing other people's failures in your life. I'm just saying that we, we lie to ourselves. We fail ourselves more. So we project that onto God. But it's supposed to be the other way around. Where when you see, the scriptures say, when we see him, we will what? Be like him. That's why I say, as you step into the love of the Trinity, the love the Trinity has for one another. Do you get how scandalous that is? The father loves the son and the son goes, I love you with the same love. To the same degree and with the same, the same, the same, 
quality and quantity, the father loves the son, the son is loving you right now. Well, yeah, because I'm in church. And pastor, I don't want to brag, but I tithed. Kind of deserve his love. I actually, normally I just do this, but this week I did this. I'm pretty lovable. He loved you the moment before you logged onto that website, while you were on that website, and right after you were on that website. He loved you right before you yelled, during your yelling, right after you yelled. And that love is the only thing that will undo the thing that caused you to log in, that caused you to yell, that caused you to do, that caused you to believe. His love is the only thing that's going to fix that. It's the only thing. Isaiah gets caught up in the third heaven. I, I got lost. You thought I forgot. Isaiah gets caught up in the third heaven. And what does he say happens to him as he sees God, as he's caught in the midst of this swirl? He says, I'm undone. I am, I am, I am torn to pieces. That's what happens as you step into this love. So if you're going to stand here and say, oh yeah, pastor, I, I know all about the message of the love of God. If it is not presently unraveling you, you have not yet peered into it appropriately. So I said that we, as branches, we live at the apex of his internal intimacy. Well, also we live at the apex of his internal affection. As the father loves the son, the son loves us. As the father loves the son, only this love can win our attention, win our affection, and capture our imagination. I think this morning that the Spirit is here to try to free you from your obsession with lovers less wild than him. Only he's wild enough for you. Only he's good enough for you. So we rest in the atmosphere. We receive the affection. I'm gonna, I purposely didn't save time for this. We release the authority of the Trinity. Because here's the problem. Here's why I didn't save time for this. This is where all of y'all want to go instantly. The answer, like, the, seriously, the first, the first, the first week that I taught on this, some of y'all emailed me like, when are we going to get to the answered prayer part? Get me to the fruit part. Get me to the answered prayer part. Get me to the release authority part. I've had some people sit me down and say, in the midst of this, hey, you're spending a lot of time talking to Christians and you're forgetting that there's a bunch of lost people out there. No, 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 I'm not forgetting at all that there's lost people out there. What I'm finally willing to admit is that maybe if we go out there and get people as saved as we are, it ain't going to help them that much. It's M-A-R-K at Sozo Spoke. You got one more week. Just saying, that's not my rule. I didn't make that. I didn't ask for that. I didn't make that rule. You can talk to Doug. He's been doing this longer than me anyway, so like that's cool. We want, we, 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 
ties back to all this. It all ties together, and I'm, 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 I'm just going to apologize because I know I can't get this to you the way that it's in me right now. But let me see if I can just try to connect one. Can I, do I have time to connect one more string? See, we, we want to get to the authority, but authority demands authenticity. So if you're a son, you have to smell like a son and know that you're a son. And the only way you can smell like a son is if you're hanging out at the house, if you're living in the atmosphere. And the only way you'll walk like a son is if you know you're loved of the father. So we want to get to the authority part. We want to get to the, we want to, we want to get to the casting out mountains and demons and doing the thing. And we want to like, we, we, we want to do all that. And, and all the while, I feel like the, the best picture I can think of, and it's a bad picture, but in, in Acts, where, 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 where some of the, the, the Jewish leaders, these, these, these Jewish spiritualists, see Paul casting out demons in Jesus' name. And so they run out and they try to do it too. And they run out and they, they literally, the Bible says, this is, this is you, anybody who tells me the Bible's boring has never read the Bible because this is what the story says. They go and they try to do this. So they lay hands on a demon-possessed person and they say, in Jesus' name, you have to come out. And the devil, the demon inside them looks at them and says like, they, they, here's what they said, I, I misquoted. The Jesus that Paul preaches about and, and the Jesus that Paul preaches about, because out. by the way, the reason why they had to say that is Jesus is like, was the, is the name Joshua. It was one of the most common names of the day. So they had to like distinguish, like it's the, it's the, that Jesus, you have to come out. The devil looks at them and says, Jesus, I know, Paul, I've heard of, I'm going to beat you up because I don't know who you are. <laughs> the Bible's boring. You're boring. He, he, the, the, this, this one demon says, dude, beats up all these dudes and they run out the house. And I, th- I think too many of us wonder why we're getting our, our, ourselves handed to ourselves. Sanctification. <laughs> and it's because we fail the authenticity part of the authority. We don't, we don't believe we're sons. We don't look like sons. We don't believe we're loved like sons. And yet we want to do business like sons. So maybe, just just maybe we need to spend some time and learn that we're sons before we have the audacity of thinking we're going to run out and save the world. All the while that, that almost every statistic inside the church and out the, outside the church looks the same. And I'm not talking about us fixing our behavior. Come on. I'm talking about us learning to abide in the atmosphere and, and, and receive and ingest and, and know that we are the loved of the Father. So somebody came to me and said, well, I'm really, you know, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but if you, this is a guy who really said this to me, pastor said this to me, I believe with everything you're saying, I agree with everything you're saying, but if you teach that to your people, you'll give them a license to sin. Can I just level with y'all for a second? Nobody who wants to sin needs a license to sin. I've never met somebody like, I really just want to cheat on my wife, but I'm just waiting for somebody to give me permission. <laughs> I really would like to murder somebody. If I could just get a get out of jail free card, I would go ahead and do it. If you want to sin, I'm not talking to you. Love you. I'm talking to people who desperately with all they are want to please the father, but think that they're incapable of doing it. And I'm telling you, not only are you capable of doing it, you are called to do it. And in him, you have everything you need to be able to do it. 
You are the love to the Father. So, 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 so yes, as we abide, come on, as we abide, as we understand that abiding is an active process, amen? Not action on us, action on his part. He's actively at work in our abiding. Authority is the byproduct of that. It's, it's there. I'm not denying it in the text. But listen, beloved, beloved, please. It's one comment in a paragraph, and it's all we want to talk about. Well, just teach me how to get all my prayers answered. Here's the first prayer I want to teach you how to get answered. That you belong to him. All of that flows from it. So Jesus calls us to rest in the atmosphere of the Trinity where we receive the affection of the Trinity, enabling us to release the authority of the Trinity. It's, you will not be enabled without the other two. Let's focus on the, on the part that we're called to focus on. Whose job is it to make the vine fruitful? The vine and, or sorry, whose job is it to make the branch fruitful? The vine to provide and the, and the father to prune, to prop up, to, to clean, to bear, to do it. It's all on him. If y'all think I gave you license to sin before, let me give you more. You are right where you're supposed to be in your development with the Lord. You go, no, but I screwed up on this and I did this and I messed up. You are right where you are supposed to be in your development in the Lord. That's not an excuse to stay where you are. That's permission to stop freaking out about where you think you could have been. You are right where you're supposed to be. He's your vine dresser, you're not. He's your vine, you're not. So stop insulting him. So I should be able to be, I should be have more authority in my prayer. I should be getting more of my prayers in. So I should be doing the more that I should be. Stop it. Stand to your feet. Let's close this thing. I've gone over enough. A couple things. We, we believe, you're, you're going to hear about more about this while I'm gone. We believe that we're supposed to respond when we hear God speak. Amen? That's like the thing that Christians are supposed to do. We respond, celebration, contemplation, communion. You're going to hear about those three things in the three weeks that we're gone. The team's going to talk to you about that. But here's what I want to say before they get to talk about those things. We, again, just like I talked about, right, that we, as we, as we gather together, this is supposed to be a calibration, a, a training center for us to learn how to live like this all the time. You realize that whatever your moment in worship was, some of y'all like the fast stuff, some of y'all like the slow stuff, some of like the in between, you know? We had no in between today. Um, whatever that is, that whatever the moment where you just, man, like you knew Jesus was here, you can live with that same assurance of his abiding presence all the time, right? Like that's part of what this is. Can I also let you in on a secret? The way we respond on Sundays is also trying to teach you how to do that whenever you hear him speak. So when you hear him speak, as you're driving down the road, this, typically he likes to just like carjack me and just take over my car trips. That's, that's where he likes to talk to me because it's probably the only place in my life I'm alone. That same mechanism of response is supposed to be there. Celebration, contemplation, communion. Start off by simply thanking God that he spoke to you. What if it's corrective? Thank him that he loves you enough to correct you. Only sons get corrected. 
Servants just get fired. So if he corrected you, you're a son. Amen? It's good news. That's why they say don't hire your family, because you can't fire your family, right? Like, like you're just stuck with them. Even if you fire them, they're still going to eat your food. So we celebrate. We celebrate his goodness in speaking to us. We contemplate. We give it time. Come on. To get from the 5% down to the 95%. To get from our head into our hearts, into our gut, into the fiber of our being. And we commune. We, we invite other people into that journey. Other believers. I don't mean this to be mean, but there are other branches attached to this vine. You're not the only one. So we, we're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to think. We're going to. We are going to. We're going to go to Psalm 100, verse four, and we're going to. We're going to remember the the code to getting into the house. Do you know that's Psalm 104? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You punch in praise and thanksgiving, and the door opens. And we go in. We're going to celebrate. We're going to thank him. We're going to contemplate. We're going to let let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let it do its work. We're going to have communion. Communion one with another. Two ways. One, over here at the cross. If you have a need in your life, maybe for you, I want to, I want to, I'm going to bring up some things in a minute. If you need to respond to those, you want somebody to stand and pray with you. And I, re- I, 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 I can't encourage you more strongly to go and make use of it. Let somebody pray with you. But also we partake in the gift of communion given to us as believers the consistent, regular, weekly reminder that your sins are paid for. This is not a reminder that you are a sinner. This is the proof that you are no longer one. His broken body, his shed blood, it is finished, paid in full. No more debt to deal with. Here's what I felt while we, while, while preparing for this this, this morning. I, truth is it felt it while I was driving back from Montana. I said earlier, God loves you. Here's what I need you to hear. God loves the real you. And some of y'all have forgotten who the real you is. Because you don't think that the real you is acceptable to him. So you have created a false identity that you associate more with yourself than the real you. And here's, here's what I feel like Abba said. He's, I, I don't want to uncover anybody. I don't know who this is. But here's what I saw. Something happened. And at that moment, you disassociated yourself with yourself. I don't know whether it was I don't know whether it was something you did or something that happened to you but you disassociated yourself that's not me and you've stumbled along trying to be this person that you're not all the while believing that that's the person God actually loves and the spirit of God sent me here today to tell you that he has no desire in that person he only wants you And here's what he said. I was there when it happened. I saw it. 
I wasn't absent. I didn't abandon you. I saw it. I watched it take place. And in my goodness, I've brought you to this place to bring you back to yourself. Because listen to me, listen to me. These are my words, not his. Only the real you can relate to the real him. He hates the performance, but he loves the person. He hates your performance. He loves you. I feel like this morning there's some people here that are going to have an encounter with the love of God. So I'm going to pray and we're going to respond. If that's you, I want to encourage you. If that's you, if that word was for you, I know it was vague. I have more clarity, but I feel like giving more would uncover whoever it is. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it there and trust that the Spirit of the Lord is working and there's a frequency thing happening that I can't be a part of. If that's you, I want to encourage you to let somebody pray with you. Come on, that stuff you don't have to go through alone. So Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your abiding presence. Thank you for your never changing, never diminishing goodness. God, thank you that you are God and there is no one like you. That you're God unlike anyone else. That every, every other person that's failed us, every other person that's let us down, every other person that's, that, that's, that's been less than what we needed, you're not like them, God. You're all that we need. You're all that we desire. You designed us in your goodness to desire you because you desire us. And so you put an echo of your desire for us in our desire for you, which means that regardless of how big our desire is for you, yours is bigger. Spirit of God, I pray you would make real, make personal, Make private your love for your people today. For those separated from you, from those apart from you, from those who have, who, have, who have bought into the lie that they are separated from you, would you shatter that delusion? Break off that deception today. Would you grant repentance and faith, new birth and new life? Church, let's respond to the Lord.